0: Welcome back to another episode of Speaking Literally, where the books speak for themselves. I'm Liz. And I'm Holly. And this week we have another author interview. We are going to be joined later on by Peter D. Barker, uh, Baker, rather, um, and we'll be speaking about his uh, one of his latest books. So there's lots to look forward to. Yeah. Uh, but before that, let's get straight into the monthly bookish chat. So, Holly. What has been happening in the world of books?
1: Well, I I don't know. I mean, I've seen it around Instagram, and I know that it's been in the news in certain parts of the country, um, especially in Virginia and the Richmond area. But Richmond area author um, Rachel Beanland, I don't know um, if, you've, if you've heard of her, if you've read anything. I read her um, Florence Adler Swims Forever that came out mm-hmm. Um Uh, two, two years ago, maybe three, uh, no, probably two. I'd have to look up exactly when the release date was, but, um, that was, that was the first book of hers that I've read. Um, and it, and it was really, really good, but she, she's a Jewish author. And the only reason I bring that up is because that kind of impacts the story. Um, but, uh, rachel has released a new book called the house is on fire and it's a historical fiction book that's based on and inspired by the true story of the 1811 richmond theater fire which was one of the deadliest urban disasters at that time Um, because you know 1811 they didn't have a lot of the the mass tragedies that we see in our society today. So this was at, at the time in the early 1800s, the, the deadliest kind of event that yeah. had happened and it killed uh, more than 70 people, including the governor of Virginia. Wow. So, um, so it was a big deal. So she wrote a, so she wrote this book, um, and it was released and she was invited to, to go to this, um, kind of prestigious, um, like luncheon um, in mm-hmm. uh, Palm at, at, in Palm Beach Gardens in Florida, um, and I guess it was part of uh, the organization of the uh, Mandel JCC, which is the Jewish uh, the Mandel Jewish Community Society or Community Center. So they invited her to come and speak during this luncheon. Um, this luncheon is pretty prestigious; it's like a hundred dollars a ticket for people to go to it, and she was, um, you know, she she was going to go. Um, But she received a letter from them, uh, from the event coordinator, and this is what it's quoted as saying. It says, I am writing because after much discussion and debate, we have decided that this book is not the right choice for our annual book luncheon on January 11th, which is... January 11th, I believe, of 2024, because it hasn't happened yet. Yeah. The letter goes on to say, I apologize that it took until now to firm this up, but we needed all of our committee to have time to read the book in its entirety to form their opinions. Uh, and then it's at it, it, the very, I guess, the, the, the last piece of this says, also, our decision is very much affected by the current political climate, climate here in Florida. So... This is the perfect modern example of censorship.
0: Oh, yeah, 100%. I remember actually seeing this because this happened about a few weeks ago now, mm-hmm. didn't it? Yeah, I yeah. remember seeing it kind of briefly on on Instagram. And, I mean, in, in previous bannings that we've seen, it's mostly been about kind of either religion or LGBTQ community. community. So to get one like this now, it's just it's bizarre isn't it it is I think it's, it's, it's getting stu- it is literally it's gotten so stupid and it's it is getting extreme and for for something to also happen now in florida which florida i think we've, we've had a little bit from florida on censorship but it's mm-hmm. mostly been texas yeah so for florida to come back out again as another kind of state we need to watch it's just What state is going to be next
1: (laughs) yeah and it's just um it's just ridiculous and it could because it really centers around um the idea that uh the fact that it talks about slavery and um you know black americans at that time and and this is this is the piece that gets me is it happened there was slavery there, there, there were these things in our history and we can't pretend it didn't happen. Like, yeah. and whenever we get things like this, that like, is, is, we don't want to talk about it. We don't want to talk about it, but it happened. Like this, yeah. this, this was the world. This is, this is how we learn from mistakes of the past because, you know, you always hear that, uh, that, that notion that history repeats itself there are parts of history i would prefer not to repeat
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that, that would be nice that would be nice and i mean i mean it's like when people try and ban um, authors such as mark twain because of the the kind of racist references and because of the the past slavery it's like as you say it's a part of our history if if the younger generation can't learn about the previous history how are they meant to learn from it because they need to understand about what life was like back then they need to understand how far we've come and what has happened since to make sure none of that happens again
1: exactly you know and it's it's just it's just the strangest thing that you know Mm. that this would have even come up because one it's a luncheon where they're going to talk about a book like i don't understand like why? I mean, I also don't live in Florida, but um, that this would be if, you know, the, the current political climate would um, would be impacted. But the house or the, the book itself, itself, The House is on Fire, follows four characters. Um, uh, Sally Henry Campbell, who's the widow daughter of Patrick Henry, um, a young stagehand an enslaved teenager. So that's where you get your kind of your slavery because it's an enslaved teenager. Mm -hmm. And then a character named Gilbert hunt, who was an enslaved blacksmith who um, emerged as the hero of the fire. So you have these, these different, you know, characters that are representing the people of the time and the event. And the thing is the 1811 theater fire happened as well like we can't go back and be like no no, exactly. no that fire didn't happen that didn't kill the governor of the of, of you know the state it, it didn't you know <laughs> kill all these innocent people yes. like nope uh but she was the funny thing is and kudos to her because i would have reacted the same way she was invited to a kind of lesser prestigious um event uh, as part of like their their like book fair or whatever and she declined she declined that
0: offer i would decline <laughs> definitely i, I like, would too yeah if you, if you don't want me at the main event then you can't have me at all yeah this is uh, do you think it's because people are so worried about upsetting and kind of getting people to read things uh, that are potentially shocking and potentially are they may think of as racist because of the fact that it is kind of about slaves and and African-Americans, even though it is a true story and it's a fictional rather than, not fictional, factual rather than fictional.
1: It's, I mean, it's definitely uncomfortable topics because I think, you know, because I think when we look back and we talk about it, it's, I think there, I don't know, for me I look at it as how how could we take another human being and, and, and like and and treat them that way and enslave them that yeah. way. Um and so I but there's still there's still racism. There's there's still this there these ideals um haven't been completely eradicated from our society yet and you know, it's just I I don't I don't know I I, you know I can't I just have such a hard time figuring out why we would do this that it no possible solution makes sense to me and it's just I don't know I just I'm almost I'm almost speechless over it because I'm just like I just don't understand and then I think about like other things that have come out like this this book seems like it's not shouldn't be making as a big a big stink like it is but then I remember going and watching a movie several years ago go called um, I think it was 12 years of a slave oh, and yeah. that movie oh my oh like that was like I cried through that like entire movie and I walked mm. out going you know, that was the worst movie I've ever seen. I hated that movie so much. But it wasn't because like I hated it. It's because I hated of like of how it made me feel what happened. Yeah. What happened. And it's just like it just But at the same time they released that movie and I mean, yeah, yeah. there was you know, there's always pushback and, and kickback. But I don't know, it just this just seems I don't weird.
0: Yeah I mean I don't think these conversations should be awkward because at the end of the day this is history this is the past we don't slave enslave people anymore I mean we do have the occasional kind of um case where people have been enslaved but that's like all over the world that's not just African Americans that's white everything everyone um but in general slavery was banned a long time ago and we have learned our lessons and I think it should just be something that's talked about as this is a part of the history rather than, Oh, well, we're kind of embarrassed about this. So we're just going to tiptoe around it because as you say, if you don't know about it, how can you learn from it?
1: Yeah. And I like, so the publishing company is Simon and Schuster. They're the ones who published this um, or Hmm. published her book and they, they had a statement and um, I kind of, I really like, what they said it said we are greatly disappointed to learn that our author Rachel Beanland has been disinvited from discussing her book The House is on Fire at a book and author event in Florida this is this is the best subject here or the best line it (laughs) says difficult subjects will not go away by by pretending the books that address them don't exist
0: exactly yeah perfect
1: it is a difficult subject, but it's, it, yeah. the, but again, we can't pretend it never happened. Just like history shouldn't nice. be complicated. History is history. It is what it is.
0: Yeah. Um, you so know, you, you still know about history. Just don't repeat it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And if we pretend it never happened, how are we going to be able to, ex- to prevent it from happening now? Exactly. Um,
0: and also it's the worst thing is, is that in that letter that they, the kind of committee for that event sent her. They didn't properly justify. They didn't give her a good reason as to why she was being disinvited. And I think if you're going to do that for some for such a prestigious event, the lo- least you could do is give them a decent reason. Like be honest. Yeah. Just be completely upfront. And they couldn't even do that, which just this, this is cowardice at the it end is. of the day.
1: Yeah. Um. So I, I'm reading like, and I'm getting like I read like stuff that Rachel has posted about this topic on her mm-hmm. own Instagram that she that she herself has posted, um, and then um, I've also done a little bit of research. And so um, the the Richmond Times Dispatch is the main newspaper out of Richmond, Virginia. Um, and what's what's cool is I I grew up for the most part in a small town twenty minutes away from Richmond, so. Um, and Richmond, you know, it like during the Civil War, during the height of all this stuff, Richmond was the capital of the Confederacy, like of the South, yeah. where um and so I know and, and it's funny because I think about how strong Richmond's history is with um slavery and and civil rights and the Civil War and all that stuff and um and just to think that I don't know, again, I just my brain just goes a mile a minute when I think about why and the impact of this. Um, but here, yeah. the, but this Richmond Times Dispatch article that I'm kind of looking at, um, it, it, uh, there's a paragraph in there where it states that um, there are two specific. And and this is, it says, Rachel, or she acknowledges that the house on fire has two specific troubling truths that might, I like this, the wording, that might have caused heartburn in our political environment. So she acknowledges that it's, you know, that there are a couple of things in there that might make people uncomfortable. But that's history. Yeah. History makes people uncomfortable. But it still is what it is. But I guess the one is that the theater fire um, was falsely blamed on enslaved people. So, oh I, wow, yeah. So, pulling out the truth of what actually happened and talking about that um, is probably going to ruffle some feathers in that political yeah. environment. And the other piece is that women represented a, a disproportionate number of the fires' victims. So there were seventy-two people who died; fifty-four of them were women.
0: Wow. Yeah. Um, well, so. that's just because women like theater more than men. <laughs> Women are more are more um, theatrically kind of interested. Exactly, <laughs> a farce <pastor>, basically.
1: Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but so you know, I don't know. You know, censorship is still alive and well. Um, it
0: is, and of course we know that because of the ongoing trial, uh, which I believe that you have an update for us on.
1: Yeah, so we talked last time about Texas House Bill 900 where this was the bill that all books in like schools and 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 libraries were going to have to have like a like a, a rating, like a sexual content rating. Yeah. Um and the bunch of organizations and publishers got together and they filed an appeal um with the courts to kind of put an injunction on it so that it wouldn't take place and um and surprisingly for 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 once the judge accepted it and did indeed implement a preliminary injunction stopping it so yeah so it was supposed to go how ins- long
0: did that last for
1: um i i i don't remember because they're still it's like still an active court case so it's okay. probably going to last through when they can go through um and actually that's do case, yeah. yeah the legal aspects of it but it was supposed to go into effect on september 1st um and it did not because of the injunction so oh, that's really good news. yeah so there's some positive news there so we're in a holding pattern with that one um But yeah, so other than that, um, there really wasn't too much else. Anything else that you think is going on or coming up?
0: Ah, the only other thing is that we have um, obviously one of the TV adaptations we've been looking forward to, Lessons in Chemistry, is coming to Apple TV Plus on October thirteenth. I think that might be for the UK as well. I haven't checked that, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'm sure it was somewhere around that time. Um, so this is the first of of quite a few that we're looking forward to. Um, obviously in November we also have the Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. Oh, no, I can't I'm wait for very that! Very excited for, very excited. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, and the Lessons of Chemistry has uh, Brie Larson in it. If I yep. remember rightly, yeah, she's That's the main character. main character. So, yeah, I'm reeling really forward to that. I need to I need to source a a free trial code. Uh, me <laughs> too. So Plus. if anybody
1: knows a free trial code for Apple TV, please send it our way, um, so, so we can watch it. Otherwise, I'm gonna have to convince my husband to get us a, a like a short term subscription it's to like it. A month. Yeah,
0: I mean, I think it's only I think who is about six pounds. It's probably gonna be about six seven dollars for a month over there. Yeah. So. so I know,
1: but he'll be like, last thing we need is another streaming service. <laughs>
0: you, you can just be like, it's for a month. I know, and I'm sure if there's like there's loads of stuff on Apple TV. If he's is he a Stephen King fan? No.
1: No, but he uh, would like he... Ted Lasso because he's a sports fan,
0: is and I'm kid? sure is he he's heard of he a yeah. Tom Hanks fan? Probably. There's a Tom Hanks thing on there, um, which looks really good. But he has loads of things on there that you'll find something that he likes on it. Yeah. So just we'll have, we'll like do some research ahead of time (laughs) be like this is why we need to get it because you're like this (laughs) that's right
1: exactly uh and then and then my son will be but we were supposed to get hbo max first he's been begging for hbo max for like a year and we just keep oh okay we'll get it we'll get it
0: it." (laughs) i wish we could get hbo max in this country although um also i read um, a few days ago another bookish kind of bookish news is that um, for us UK listeners, uh, the Interview of the Vampire TV series, which was previously only US because it was, I think as HBO Max. Mm. It has been bought by the BBC. So it means that it will be coming to the UK um, sometime in the near future. Well, that's so exciting. I've been trying desperately to watch that and I can't <laughs> find it anywhere to, on the UK. Um, so yeah, no, that's really good news. That came out like literally a few days ago, so and, um, of course, one last thing is that if you are listening to this on Monday, obviously when we drop, uh, check out Lee Bardugo's posts on Instagram mm. because there is a big reveal happening of her new book. Uh, so far, we know it's going to be an adult fiction. Uh, it's going to be a historical fantasy. Mm. So, yeah, watch her posts for, for more news.
1: And I remember because uh, you mentioned this before we started recording, and last uh, – in like in January, I think, is when I went to her – Uh, book event Um, and one of the things she talked about because one of the questions was is she going to write more books based in in the Grishaverse and she said that she was taking a break from them because she didn't want to write like she didn't want to be forced to write something if the story wasn't there like um, but then she talked about this historical fiction book and I want to say that it's like um, more of like a Spanish type cultural um, setting so, um, which is super, super cool. Like I, oh, that makes me so excited. So I cannot wait <laughs> to see. Um, Definitely looking forward to that. What this looks like. So, all right. Yeah. Well, we're going to take a quick break and then when we come back. We're going to talk about a couple um, books that we've been enjoying recently. And then still to come, um, Peter D. Baker will be joining us to talk about his book, um, Rain City Gothic. So we will be right back. one and welcome back all right so we um, well Liz you've been a little sick lately so you uh, haven't had a ton of time to read but um, what have you what have you been reading and up to
0: yeah, luckily I had some time off for my birthday, um, which, by the way, I got loads of books. It was great. <laughs> uh, Holly also bought me the new Horson Brothers, which was really good. Um, we've been reading that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did manage to read a few books at the beginning of the month before I, I kind of came down ill. Um, one of them, because I'm co- kind of trying for a, thr- a thriller theme for most of September, um, or I was, and I read The Sanatorium, which is by um, an author called Sarah Pierce. Now, this actually came out a few years ago, and it's one that has been on my list for a while. Um, It's basically, it's uh, it's a hotel which is set in the middle of nowhere, and I believe it's uh, in Sweden or somewhere like that. Mm. Um, But basically, originally, it was a a sanatorium. So, it was a a mental hospital which um, also helped people get over tuberculosis. So, it's quite an old building. Um, and it had been converted into a hotel by these people. And it's all about kind of this, this group go to stay there because they're celebrating um, an engagement an engagement party of um, the main character's brother. And then people kind of start going missing. And it, like they're in the middle of a snowstorm, so they can't go anywhere. So it's, it's really interesting. It was, it was really good at kind of building tension. And because I love kind of, thrillers that are set in the middle of nowhere it just there's something so much more interesting about like the whole cabin in the woods kind of setting Mm -hmm. um there's just something really spooky about being in the middle of nowhere not being able to get get anywhere or escape um so this was really it's really good I read it in literally about two days um and it was just very good character building um great setting we got to kind of hear about a bit of the history of of the sanatorium and how it wasn't quite everything that it originally was meant to be. And that the doctors were kind of, were actually not that good of other uh, good um, people. Was it creepy? Was it like a creep? Was it just like a thriller? Or was it like, was there like a,
1: a creepy horror aspect to it?
0: I say there's a creep. There's a creepy aspect to it. I say it's more of a, like a psychological thriller. Mm. So, cause it, it wasn't like it was, it wasn't like a, creature kind of thing it was it was very much the people um so yeah and I said very much kind of psychological psychological horror um horror thriller so it was very it was really good it was pretty creepy um but especially with the the tension building it was very well done Hmm. so that yeah that was my that was actually my last book I finished reading
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah i you know, and I remember when you were reading it, and you were talking about how much you, you know, you were liking it. And I'm, I'm always looking for books that will creep me out and scare me.
0: Yeah. So. It had very uh shining vibes. obviously with the shining, you mm-hmm. just um stuck in the hotel in the mm-hmm. middle of nowhere, and you have like the snowstorm. So it's very similar kind of vibes. Um, but there's obviously quite a few more people in the hotel compared to um to in the shining in the yeah. hotel there. So yeah no definitely I would yeah I definitely um recommend it because also they she brought out a book called The Retreat which I haven't read yet but that one mm. I definitely want to want to check out
1: interesting
0: but yeah of course I also finally um read The Guest List as well oh, after all I these like many years of, of um of Polly recommending it to mm-hmm. me <laughs> it's been on my book bookshelf for a long time so finally that's the first book of the month and that yeah really really good I really like that one
1: too um and her uh uh the apart the paris apartment um uh, was the book that came oh, out after that one it. i know that's been on my list since it came out and i
0: haven't I think I've got the kindle book the ebook of that oh. I think it one day um mm-hmm. there's also the hunting party which i want to read by oh now.
1: yeah that came out before yeah i want to read that one too yeah. um there's just so many books i want to read and there's just not enough time <laughs> so story of our life i know right <laughs> 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 we'll die with this massive tbr list and we'll be like oh um, well, I just like you mentioned the the um, brothers Hawthorne book. Um, I just finished that yesterday, um, so you need to get through that one so we can talk about it. Um, but <laughs> but I I did. I thoroughly enjoyed it. It is definitely you know we know that there's going to be more that come from this 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 family this world. Um, You know, if you didn't know that beforehand, you'll know by the time you you read it, because it's, it's, I'm just excited that there'll be more to come, but I won't say anything else. I'm not going to spoil any of it for you.
0: Well, we've got more of the Wholesome Brothers.
1: Yeah, she actually, um, she, she posted something, Jennifer Lynn Barnes posted something, um, I want to say on her Instagram, where she kind of hinted at, um. Hang on, I want to see if I can I can find it real quick. But she posted a comment or post that has like the name of um, of a new book, or it was like um, maybe something along the lines of cover reveal coming soon. And let's see, she has. Maybe it was a story. I don't know. There was something there.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just found it. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, there's a new new one coming out in July next year called The Grandest Game. Yes,
1: and that Ooh. will make sense. If you read The Brothers <laughs> Hawthorne, you okay. will understand the title of that book.
0: <sighs> That's really exciting.
1: Yeah, so, yeah, July 2024, The Grandest Game comes out, um, which... Yeah, it is funny because on so she posted that on her Instagram page on September (laughs) seventh, with the comment, "If you know, you know," (laughs) and
0: oh my god, that's exciting! I finished
1: the book, so I know.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Also, one thing that I'm majorly jealous about is that Barnes and Noble, I think it was, had a special edition of um, the Brothers Hawthorne, and it was a purple cover, purple, and it was so pretty. It's exactly the same as, as my one, but just purple instead of black. And you didn't get the purple one, did you? No, I
1: did Definitely. the audio. I did. Um, yeah. Ah. So I don't. I don't yeah. Have, no, like, the
0: purple the... one's just gorgeous. Oh, yeah. you know, you know, I love my purple, my purple works.
1: Oh, me too. <laughs> me too. Um. So so I just finished that one. So what I and then I recently, you know, I also earlier this week finished. Um, Peter Baker's book uh, Rain City Gothic which we'll talk about here in a little bit uh, and then I am starting a book called um, the 57 bus and the one thing I don't like l- look at how many stickers are on the cover of my book oh are they yeah. fake
0: stickers no Mm-mm. they're
1: they're Ooh. they're cover yeah and they're like literally in the middle of My cover,
0: why would you do that? Why would they do that?
1: Why do they have to put stickers on the covers of books?
0: I've not heard of that. Who's it by?
1: It is by Dashka Slater. Um, actually, it was, it was, um, our our good friend, um, Stephanie, um, from our book club, uh, told me about this book. It's a true story, um, of two teenagers in Oakland, California in 2023, where, Mm -hmm. um, so you, it's, it's Sasha and Richard. And so they have to take the 57 bus. Um, it's like pa- okay. public transportation. This is how they get to school every day. They're in high school. And so in order to get to school, they take this, this public transportation bus back and forth, which isn't unheard of in, you know, bigger cities like this. Um, and so... What ends up happening, and it's a true story, so I'm not going to, like, it's not, like, a spoiler or anything. Yeah. But basically, one day on the ride home from school, um, Richard makes a very, very poor choice, and as Sasha is kind of dozing, he takes a lighter and sets her skirt on fire, mm-hmm. and she ends up suffering multiple third degree burns has to have multiple surgeries he's arrested and it changed they're they're like 17 year old kids um and it changes it completely changes the course of their life um Jeez. so yeah it was from two, it's two it's from it, the incident happened in 2013 so it's been 10 years since it happened so they're now like in their okay. late 20s um and so it kind of talks about um like it, it goes it alternates between their their point like their storylines because yeah. after like they, they don't even really know each other except the fact that they're on this bus together. And so it really shows her life um well, um, and she's she's non non binary, so so their life versus Richard's life. Um and it shows how um Richard copes with the fallout and aftermath and consequences of his choice and how Sasha has to cope with the fallout um, and healing and consequences that they suffer based on um, what Richard did and how, you know, Sasha's life changed forever um, as a 17 year old who was just innocently sitting there and, um, you know, so wow
0: that sounds that sounds intense sounds yeah. pretty, good, pretty interesting right
1: eh? yeah so uh and, and and it's very short chapters like i'm not very far into it but the chapters like are really those. short <laughs> i know it makes me feel like i'm i'm, I'm going a little quicker um yeah. and so and, and i i kind of like to see you know from sasha's nice. point of view versus richard's point of view um so that's that's yeah, what that I just sounds started. really interesting yeah so
0: cool.
1: Yeah. So that's what I'm reading. Um, okay. So New York Times bestseller list for this week. I didn't. We have like a Google Doc where we write <laughs> all of our show notes so we can see. I did not put them on there. One because I didn't look it up until this morning, and didn't have time to put it on there. I will be completely truthful and transparent. Um, but two, I'm kind of glad I didn't because this will be a surprise to Liz, so she won't know what's on the list. Um, but I will say that we have had a couple weeks in a row now where um, Coho hasn't been in the top five. Dun, and dun, dun. I know. And this week, That's
0: crazy. We,
1: yeah, we only have one returning book from the top five. Do you have any guess? That's going to
0: be fourth wing, isn't
1: it? It is fourth wing, Yep. so fourth wing remains on the on in the top five it has dropped it has been for most of the time that it's been on the list these last 19 weeks it's been one or two um holly's
0: got to be on there holly's got to be on there
1: yep yep so holly by stephen king is actually the number one book right now
0: nice
1: yep fourth wing came in at number four Uh, So it dropped a little bit. And then the um, number two is Lucy Scores, Things We Left Behind. It's that, it's her third, her third book in that series. So um, I, you know, I see that series all the time and I haven't read it. So um, everyone seems to really like it though.
0: But that came in at number two. Yeah, I was going to say, because Lucy Scores, one one of our book club members, favorite authors.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The number three is Payback and Death by J.D. Robb. This is his. this is His oh, fifty-seventh yeah. book in the series.
0: Yeah, it's a good series, though. I have, I've only read about seven of them, but it's it is a really good series.
1: But oh my, he's written fifty-seven <laughs> books in the series.
0: Yeah. It's oh been my... going
1: for quite some time. Uh, and
0: you... also, it's uh, also J.D. she J.D. Robb is actually Nora Ro- Nora Roberts.
1: Is it really? Look at that. See, J.D.
0: Robster's a pen name.
1: Oh, interesting.
0: See, I love something. She's done some, yeah, she's done some books under her own name, Nora Nora Roberts. Why can't I say that? Nora Nora Roberts. Um, And then she's done, yeah, all of these under J.D. Robbins.
1: I knew, I mean, I've heard of both the names. I just didn't put them together as being (laughs) the same person. I mean, I haven't read any of these books, so that's probably part of why I had no idea.
0: Um, yeah, JD JD Robb's um, *In Death* series is kind of like a futuristic um, crime thriller series. Yeah, good, yeah, because yeah, because it
1: looks like that, like, po- like almost like a police kind of thing. Because this little description yeah. just says Eve Dallas looks into the death of an internal affairs captain.
0: Yeah. So, okay. Well, um so we've got a nice selection. Then we've got like romance, we've got crime, we've got horror, we've mm-hmm. got fantasy.
1: And then the last one that comes in at number five is The River We The River We Remember by William Kent Krueger.
0: And I this heard about that.
1: Yeah, this looks um it looks like again like a set in nineteen fifty eight. So suspicions and accusations complicate a sheriff's investigation of a wealthy landowner's murder in a small mm-hmm. Minnesota town in nineteen fifty eight. So like a little historical fiction crime kind of book
0: so literally every single book is a different genre this month this month yeah i love that i love it i love the cut the change and like the whole mixture of everything um Mm -hmm. how about the young adult what is the number one number one our usual young adult list yep
1: is this winter by alice osman um who writes doesn't she write Heartstopper?
0: yeah yeah, it says siblings. Oh, you know Tor- what?
1: Nice. Okay. Oh, it just says siblings. Tori, Charlie, and Oliver deal with life changes over the holiday season.
0: Ooh, yeah. Nate, no, I I actually watched. Oh, uh Heart it is. Stopper it's actually a,
1: it's a Heartstopper novella. Oh,
0: that's why it's number one. hmm But you know, interesting little bit of uh, of trivia. So, Heartstopper season two has got a an art college in that, and it's going to be featured more in season three. And that was my old university. How cool is that? Yeah. So we actually saw a few shots of it in season two. And I was like, oh, my God, like blast from the past. (laughs) (coughs) So that was really cool. So, yeah, that's once again, uh, New York Times is uh, a nice little mixed bag, which is is always a nice change. So last but not least, before our break, uh, let's go on to the new and upcoming releases. So we've got The Scarlet Bell vale, uh, by Shelby Mahirin, which is the next in the Serpent and Dove series, um, I believe, and that's coming out on the 28th of September for the UK and the 26th of September in the US. Uh, and then we've got The Throne of the Fallen by Kerry Maniscalco, which comes out both in the UK and the US on the 3rd of October. And then finally, we've got Hemlock Island by Kelly Armstrong. Um, In the US, it's already out. They came out on the 12th of September. And the UK have got to wait a little bit longer. Um, It comes out on the 24th of October. So there you have it. Holly, I can't hear you think you might mute yourself. I muted myself. <laughs>
1: what is one of our shows without me doing something stupid with technology? When we went to break, our first break, I accidentally logged out of our Skype meeting. Um, so it's just, I I will some point in the next, you know, 30 years, get my get my technology life together. Um, but what I was going to say was, it's really unusual that we have such a huge discrepancy in time um, with the, with a book like that. Like, it's oh, over yeah. a month. We will have had it out. Like, I could read it. I, okay. I'm not a quick reader, so I was going to say, I could read it, like, five Once times before Liz reads it. <laughs> Let's... No. <laughs> who are we joking? <laughs> like, who are we kidding? It's
0: there? usually, like, a, maybe a few weeks, but yeah. And yeah. Months. Or maybe, it's like, like a week
1: or something. Like, yeah. but that that's a pretty hefty time difference, so...
0: Pretty
1: crazy. Um, yeah. All right. Well, that's what's going on with what we're reading and what's coming up. We're going to take... Um, our last break and when we come back we are going to be joined by author Peter D. Baker and we're going to have a um, conversation. We're going to talk about his book Rain City Gothic uh, and all of his 15 years worth of writing experience and just him as a person and, as, and an author. So um, we will be right back and we will be joined by Peter D. Baker. And welcome back. We are so excited to be joined by Peter D. Baker today. Um, So I'm going to just kind of go through a quick bio, um, Peter, and then we'll kind of jump right into it. So Peter D. Baker is a Seattle-based author of the new novel Rain City Gothic. Uh, after 15 years of writing nonfiction and ghostwriting in newspapers and publications in the fitness industry, Peter decided he had other stories to tell, with Rain City Gothic be- being the first of many. When he's not writing, you can find him living an autistically-routined life that includes watching the same movies on repeat, eating rice, lifting weights, and spending time with his partner and dog. Okay, before we get started, I have a couple questions about your bio. Sure. Okay. Well, first of all, welcome, Peter. We're super excited to have you here.
2: (laughs) Oh, I am very excited to be here.
1: Okay, so my first question is, what are your favorite movies to watch on repeat?
2: Oh, that's a a good question. Uh, (laughs) At the time of writing that, I was watching The Logan with Hugh Jackman uh, and Patrick Stewart uh, Mm -hmm. pretty often. Uh, One of my favorite movies, Uh, I mean, just... Genre aside, it's just a really fantastic movie. Uh, yeah. I will often go to sleep to a lot of those uh, 1980s slasher movies, uh, anything from Elm Street to Friday the 13th, uh, or lately 1986's The Stepfather, okay. which was remade in 2009, but uh, the remake was not very good, despite Penn Badgley being in it. I uh, know a lot of people like Penn. Hmm. Uh not only for his boyish good looks but uh, his role as Joe on you uh, well in the the stepfather remake he is not a serial killer thankfully um, <laughs> and uh, lately I've been watching uh, over and over again the entirety of season one of True Detective on HBO with Matthew McConaughey and Woody Harrelson.
1: Wow awesome mm. okay um I like I like your eclectic um viewing choices um okay and then my second question is i believe um that i saw this on instagram did you recently get married
2: uh yeah on august 31st
1: well congratulations i thought that i saw that congratulations thank you awesome all right well let's just we'll just kind of Dive right into it. So, um, Rain City Gothic is, um, I believe, kind of like your first, um, you know, dive into the the published novel kind of um, world. So, can you tell us a little bit about um, kind of like your journey to get the? We'll we'll talk about the actual book um, in a little bit, but can you tell us a little bit about how you just got into that? made that decision to make that leap from like newspapers and publications into the novel
2: world. Uh, well, you know, I always wanted to write some sort of stuff since I was, uh, like a late teenager, maybe when I was 17 and, uh, I was a junior in high school and, uh, the woman to whom I dedicated the book, Leslie Rice was my English teacher at the time. And, uh, she really fostered that. She was a great teacher. Um, and uh you know one of the best i've ever had and despite going through the florida school systems i managed to have a lot of good teachers and and she was uh high among them and uh yeah you know so she encouraged me to do pretty much whatever i felt like uh and to not uh get bogged down with social norms and rules Uh Uh, and i always appreciated that and so i thought that was cool then i got into college I started writing for the school newspaper called the USF Oracle. I think I was doing, I think I was doing music reviews for death metal bands that uh, would put out stuff because I was also co-hosting a radio show at the time from one to four a.m. every Monday morning um, on community radio, uh, and it was a it was a heavy metal show, and I was also in a death metal band at the time, and so yeah, I was like, yeah, you know, let me see if I could write and, and do that. And so I did. And then there were some very small local publications that didn't really last long that I did stuff for. Uh, then eventually I started blogging, I think, a couple years later, so around 2009 or 10. Uh, and I kept going, and I eventually I knew I wanted to work in the fitness industry. So I did, after I got fired from a real job in 2013. I was like, you know, well, might as well start on that job. And to get street cred and extra money, I would uh, write stuff. And I just kept going. And I knew that I would want to do other things beyond that at some point. And then it just got to a point where I was tired of working in that industry. So I started writing Rain City Gothic. And that was based on some role-playing games I played back in 2006. I had the characters. Uh, Bethany being a character that nothing really came over because I was playing as Daniel during the game. And I said, you know, maybe I should, uh, maybe I should write her story. I think that would be fun. So I did.
1: Okay. Liz, I'm sure you have a bunch of questions from that, <laughs> as I do. So you you start with your questions first.
0: <laughs> no, that's really interesting. Because I mean, um, role playing games are something that, obviously that I've I've been quite interested in the past. I've kind of dabbled a bit in the whole typical kind of D and D and things like that. So kind of whilst you were writing, uh, were there any particular kind of writers or books that inspired you whilst writing, uh, writing your first fiction novel? Uh,
2: probably the movie Logan, actually, I think that influence shows up in there with the whole father daughter thing that's happening. Um, and yeah, uh, at the time, I think I was coming out of a reading slump. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the first book that got me out of that was an autobiography of a professional wrestler named Nick Foley. Uh, and it was actually really good. He did not like his ghostwriter and he fired him and hand-wrote the entire book on his own. And that also led to my first trip out of the country, uh, which was to Canada, to go watch him speak about one of his more renowned wrestling matches. So, I think I got out of the slump and read that. And I um, don't remember what I was really reading at the time. But since then, I've just been uh, actually reading just a lot of stuff, and it's been good. I've read the entire Dresden Files series. Uh, I, I enjoyed those. And, um, you know, the other uh, indie authors that I follow on Instagram, I try to read their stuff whenever I can, uh, particularly uh, a lady named Jillian Dowell, who writes wonderful things. Uh, and you should probably get her on the podcast, too. I think she would enjoy that.
1: Okay. I just wrote her name down.
2: <laughs> and, that's a, and that's Jillian with a G, as in like like Jillian Anderson, mm. not with a J. Okay. Okay.
1: Awesome. Um, so funny that you bring up um, Mick Foley uh, my, because my husband – has been a huge wrestling fan since he was like six years old. And so when we were dating, I needed to be the, the good girlfriend and pretend that I was interested in all of that stuff. So I have seen Mick Foley wrestle live at different events and he, he's a pretty, he's a pretty interesting guy. So it's interesting that he's
2: and uh, I, I, I so, and, and given that the event was in Canada, right? Mm-hmm. So, Uh, I live in Seattle, very common to go to Vancouver for a lot of people. Uh, He was doing a whole tour across the States, which I missed. But then he was also like coming back and doing it through Canada. And the show that I initially looked into was in Victoria, British Columbia, which is even more north than Vancouver. Well, that was sold out. So I was like, oh, where the hell am I going to go see him? Oh, this place Nanaimo looks good. I didn't know where or what Nanaimo British Columbia was at the time. So I was like, you know what? Yeah, I'll just go. Uh, (laughs) Stayed with a... Because I was, uh, at the time, I just moved away from Florida to here. uh, And I was single, so I really didn't have anything to do. uh, And I wasn't actively doing uh, any kind of work at the time. Because I just... I just published uh, with... A colleague the first book uh, that I did that the first fitness book and we just finished our second one so yeah I had a lot of time so I was like you know what I'll just try this in the Nymo place uh, and turns out it's on a big island called Vancouver Island uh, and they call it a small town despite it having like a population of a hundred thousand uh, but it is it does have a very small town feel um, and it's very quick to get anywhere on the island. so I took the ferry over and I assume this was the Canadian equivalent to a dive bar, <laughs> which means that. So, given that you're from Virginia, uh, and so you probably know, like, dive bars have a certain uh, certain presence about them. Like, mm-hmm. uh, to be fair, they're they're pretty filthy and shitty. Mm-hmm. So when everybody said this was, so when it, I was like, oh, this is like a dive bar based on the prices. Like I went and it was clean and the toilets were attached to the wall and, like I was like, man, this is not a dive bar like at all. But the prices reflect it. So I got like a meet and greet with him at this small place, I think for like seventy-five dollars U.S. So like four hundred Canadian dollars, and. Uh, Yeah, it was a blast. And then I missed the ferry back to Vancouver to stay with my friends. So I wound up staying in a cheap motel in Canada, which was also very nice compared to the cheap motels here in the States. Like they had a TV, flat screen, uh, and a thermostat. So I was like, you know, watching SVU in comfort having missed (laughs) the ferry. So, yeah, no, it was was pretty great. And he was a super nice guy. That was the whole point of that. He was a super nice guy because we did the meet and greet and uh you know he signed a picture and everything and uh yeah just just a wonderful human
1: that's really cool
0: so i mean going um on about your writing and kind of writing the your first fictional novel just talk us through your your writing process are you somebody who um plans a lot of it out first of all or do you just kind of write by the seat of your pants kind of thing
2: uh, well, for that one, I didn't really know what I was doing, so I didn't really have much of a plan. I kind of knew, kind of knew where I wanted it to go by the end. Uh, but since then, because now I got a follow up to that coming out on Halloween of this year, uh, I stylistically it's a lot better because I actually knew what I was doing this time around. Can you guys still hear me? I dropped the headphones. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good. Uh so second novel, I was like, Okay, I, I should probably now that I know what to do, I should probably like plan some stuff. Uh so I did that and um I saw a video of Sylvester Stallone on TikTok talking about uh his writing process. because uh, a lot of people do forget that he was a writer. Uh mm-hmm. and he you know, he wrote the entire full Rocky screenplay and uh wanted to sell it on the condition that he also play the main role, but Uh, You know, he got passed on a lot for that very reason. But it finally worked out in his favor. And, uh, you know, he was talking about how he would just write down story beats on a legal pad and then come up with a first draft. And I was like, wow, that's actually really simple and effective uh, compared to most of the books and courses you take. So I'm going to try that. And I was like, oh, that kind of works. And then it also gives you enough room to explore something else if something neat pops into your head as you're going through the writing process. That's kind of what I do now. So like, I'll write down a bunch of sequences and go from there.
0: Okay, so how long did it roughly take you to, to write your first fictional novel? For Rain City
2: Gothic? Uh, let's see, that one took, <laughs> so I started in around autumn of 2019 and I, I took a break because I really didn't know what I was doing. And then when the pandemic happened and everything went on lockdown and the gyms closed and all that, and I was like, man, I'm just kind of sitting around. I should probably finish that that book. I I should probably finish that book. And then, uh, you know, I, I eventually did that. And then I stupidly made the mistake of querying it. Uh, you know, just the whole first draft that I was sending out to these agents and publishers and now I'm like, you know, what the hell was I thinking? Like I had, I had no business doing that at that time, because it was just so bad. The first draft was just so terrible, uh, and so then I was like, you know what? I'm gonna, gonna hire some editors and things to make this better. So it took a lot of um, rewriting and going over things to make it somewhat passable, and I went through that for, gosh, several rounds. And Go that's ahead, what Liz. led to it eventually get, getting published in 2022. Okay. So, so it was a f- several-year process with a lot of pauses in between.
0: Liz, did you have a follow-up? I was just going to say, so it was a, a lockdown novel then, by the sounds of things. <laughs> so quite a lot of it, which is it's nice because we've actually had quite a few guests um, on where the, some of the latest novels um, we're seeing kind of they were written during lockdown. Um, And we're still seeing a few kind of being published in the last 12 months kind of thing. Um, Uh, Sort of. uh,
2: The the lockdown did help because it kind of forced my hand to finish. Because, I mean, deep down I wanted to finish like I always did. But, um, you know, not really knowing what to do, having never done an actual novel before. Oh, damn it. I dropped my headphone again because the dog needs to go out. (laughs) <laughs> but having never done a novel before and not knowing really what to do, if I didn't have, if I w- if I weren't forced to stay at home, uh, I don't know. It might have ended up a little different.
0: Hmm.
1: So, so then you kind of said that this was um, *Rain City Gothic* was kind of inspired by a role-playing game. So, um because my question would have been like why why vampires why vampire slayers but still that's still the question because even based on a role playing game something still drew you to that particular um topic that particular you know genre of role playing game that you were invested enough in to then turn these characters and try to develop these characters into um, into a novel. So so why why
2: vampires? Oh, that's actually a very simple-ish question. I mean, I do like vampires. I always have. Uh, and you'll remember in the book, there's a character named Flora Zabar. Well, Flora Zabar was a real person, uh, not much different than how she's portrayed uh, in the novel either. Uh, very kooky, wonderful Uh, old lady who taught literature and the occult at the University of South Florida. Uh And so we did a lot of vampire talks in her class when I took it. And we also, uh, my friends and I, played a game called Vampire the Masquerade. So it's a tabletop role-playing game uh, centered entirely around vampires. And they draw from a lot of different sources of lore uh, over the centuries. And uh, since they were Vampire the Masquerade characters, I just kept with it.
0: That's really interesting. Um, So obviously we've we've spoken about your inspirations. We've spoken about kind of your writing process. Um, Really easy question. What are you currently reading?
2: What am I currently reading? Um, I picked up the first Jack Reacher novel at a bookstore randomly because the guy (laughs) I did write fitness books with always raved about them. Um, And since there's elements of that type of mystery thriller stuff in there, I was like, you know, it couldn't hurt to uh, read stuff similar to what I'm doing. So I, as I picked one of that, one of those up, I also picked up uh, the detective novel, the black Dahlia, which was made into a movie in 2006. And uh, the guy who wrote that, he's pretty known for his crime novels. So I picked that up uh, as well. And I'm currently also digitally reading um, stars like gasoline from (gasps) Glover. Love
1: that, love, <laughs> love that book Jessica <laughs> yeah is, so, yep,
2: far, yep. so far I, I am I am very much enjoying it uh, especially being from Florida it's like nice to see people writing about it and um uh I think I got to the part where they go to felsmere Florida and uh, fun fact that was one of the that was the first city in Florida where women could actually vote back in the day oh
1: wow interesting fun fact well, that is super cool. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll make sure Jessica knows this. <laughs> do you, do you interact with Jessica? Have you, you know, have you talked to her? I in
2: think any- i said a couple, I think i said a couple nice things on Instagram to her a couple times. Awesome.
1: Yeah. She's, she's, she's been a, a repeat guest on our show. Um,
2: yeah. And that's what inspired me to reach out in the first place is I saw that and I listened uh, to the episode and it was good.
1: Yeah. She's, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, You'll you really like stars uh stars like gasoline that was uh that's a really cool book very really good book um so that that's kind of cool that you know you're you're reading books kind of in the same genre in which you are you're writing um so how so you said you have your 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 next book coming out um at the end of October so same characters right as we saw in Rain City Gothic.
2: Oh, uh, largely. Uh, this will focus on a very young Daniel Belasco. so technically it's a prequel. Oh, okay. So
1: he's gonna
2: meet. So he's gonna meet um, the mother uh, and get into some hijinks in Savannah, Georgia.
1: I will say that that's really cool because one of the things I did really like about Rain City Gothic was her. Um, well, was Bethany's kind of over the course of the book learning more about her parents um, mm. and a little bit more about their 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 history and how they came because, um, you know, kind of to dig a little bit into the topic of the book, um, you know, for Bethany, this is really a kind of a, a coming into, like a coming of age, coming into who she is book. She um, finds herself in a position where she has to, figure life out on her own pretty quickly, or she's not going to have much of a life left. And, um, and as she's trying to figure out how to kind of solve the mysteries and deal with the bad guys, she's learning more about who she is and who her family is. And that was a really cool aspect. How, um, how important to you knowing now also that you that the, the next book is going to be kind of a prequel based on her on her parents how important was bethany's like kind of self discovery to you in regards to the overall plot of rain
2: city gothic honestly it uh, superseded the plot because i'm more interested in character growth than anything or character declines, depending on you know what you're reading or writing, because uh, you know negative character arcs can be good, and those do exist. Um, but no, I, I was focused on that more than anything, and then from there, it made me start seeing because uh, I always did want to, ex- I did want to explore more of the parents' backstories, because I don't want to just have a dead wife there. Mm-hmm. Kind of looming in the background. I'd like her to actually do some things at some point, but also same for Daniel, since we don't get a whole lot of him in this one because it's more Bethany focused. Uh, I figured people might also want to learn more about him, uh-huh. and to a degree, I was right because people did say, "Oh yeah, I want more of him." I was like, "Well, don't worry, I'm gonna I'm gonna write some stuff about him too because <laughs> you know it's also fun writing stuff uh, that took place in the '80s." So like, <clears throat> start having a starting point for him and knowing uh, what Bethany does in the book without, you know, like spoiling too much, I was like, you know, where could I highlight some of his shortcomings, I guess, as a, as a father and how that led to her doing the stuff that she did, uh, you know, cause obviously a uh, spoiler. I do want him to be generally a good dad and not, uh, you know, not like, some of these irredeemable pieces of shit you read about who raise kids and novels or in movies and whatnot. And, um, and I also wanted him to have, you know, a really good relationship with, with uh, Bethany's mom uh-huh. instead of like, instead of, you know, like a lot of the nothing wrong with conflicts and the tropes and all that uh, during romances. But uh, I wanted less, I want him to have a rock solid relationship uh, and be like a, positive example but you know it was a good way having a starting point now him as a young man I think in the the next book he's 22 so he's super young she's 27 and I was like yeah I could highlight you know his intentions going into this versus like where he actually could have been better as a parent all while grieving the death of his wife
0: Because, obviously, in the book, we know that they were together, was it eight years, I believe it was, um, before all of this happened, basically. Yeah. Um, Yeah, so so this second book, is it set very early on in the relationship or just before the relationship starts?
2: Oh, they meet in it. Okay. And, uh, yeah, so it's set in 1986, which would have been the start of it.
0: Okay. So we get a nice little kind of beginning like origin story for both of them kind of a little beginning romance story
2: yeah and i figured if it's gonna be a series which i also intended i might as well (laughs) oh my god stop (laughs) sorry
1: (laughs) oh we can't hear you you i think you accidentally muted yourself
2: there you go. No, that was intentional. He's barking. Oh, he's barking. So I'm just trying to get him back in. Dogs are welcome <laughs> oh, like, on our show. I know, but the goddamn beagles are so loud and he with everything. <laughs> like he, he sounds like he's four times his size.
0: He's got to make up for his size. I mean, that makes him a perfect guard dog because nobody knows it's going to be a tiny dog on <laughs> the other side of the door.
2: <laughs> That's right. Yeah, and actually according according to my according to my wife who had him since he was a very young dog, he has thwarted off intruders a few times. Oh. Because wow. of how freaking loud he is.
1: Well, he's a successful guard dog then.
2: Exactly. Oh, yeah, he's precious. He's just so freaking loud. But uh, yeah, so you know, I I figured if I have the opportunity to write a series, there's a lot of neat family things I could uh, explore. I think that was the question we were we were doing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so my follow-up then to that is, do you do you have a, a vision for the series? Like, do you have an idea of like I want this to be kind of like an eight book series, or is it just going to be one of those um, things that you're just gonna if you have that storyline and that character arc you want to take, you're going to write. And then when it's over, it's over.
2: Uh, sort of. Cause I, I do have, I do have ideas and I don't honestly know how many books it'll take to get through them. So, I mean, it, it could be lengthy cause I do want to have going concurrent with Bethany's story, a bunch of stuff set back in the day with, you know, her parents and whatever they had going on in their lives back in the day. I love Mm
0: -hmm. that. So million dollar question, what are you currently working on at the moment?
2: Uh, so usually whenever I finish something, I always just kind of sit around until it comes out. Um, you remember, uh, you remember that line in the rhyme of the ancient mariner where he's like his idol is a painted ship upon a painted ocean when they're stuck into the doldrums? Uh, I think it was after the guy killed the albatross. Yeah, that's kind of how I feel like uh, after a book because you put a lot into it and then now it's out and then you're just kind of sitting there waiting for things that happen and people to hopefully uh, enjoy it. So that's kind of what I'm doing now. But I think the i I've, I've started the third book. Uh, and I started brainstorming uh, novella with Bethany and one of the the side characters from the first one, the the Jason Douglas character. Mm. Okay. I like him. I like him, too. And he is also uh, named after a real person who, uh, if he were to become a copy, would probably be one of the best people I know to do it.
1: That's pretty cool. So, so... um. So with that, then with the, with the side character, so book three is going it, to, it, by the sounds of it, book three is going to be more of like a continuation of like the end of book one.
2: Uh, yeah. It's going to pick up not far from it. Okay. Uh, actually.
1: So then we'll see like the, the Jason and the Greg and the Caroline and the Megan and all of, all of your characters that you've kind of put in there continue to progress.
2: Oh yeah. And uh, you'll also be seeing, um, more of the vampire ava
1: oh yes oh i don't liz you
0: may not have gotten to <laughs> ava yet <clears throat> i only know anton so far oh yes uh, well there's,
2: there's, she was she was briefly in the prologue
1: oh because because the prologue oh, dealt with yeah, carl yeah, yeah. yeah that's yeah, right yeah, yeah. because that. that's right
2: that's right yeah so she she makes an appearance in the prologue yeah. and then she makes an appearance later on not a huge appearance but she's she's gonna do some more things yeah she definitely
1: made an appearance in the sense of there's more to come from her because she's she's not dealt with
0: <laughs> no
2: and uh i am really excited for the plans i do have with her because um one of the things i like about vampires is uh you know they give us to the chance to you know explore our own humanity and what those uh things mean so that's kind of kind of what I'm going to do with her character uh, as time goes on. So I'm, I'm pretty excited about that.
1: I love that. Um, out of your side characters, who do you like the most?
2: Uh, that's a good question. Uh, probably Megan or Ava. They're, mm-hmm. they're pretty solid. Mm-hmm. I like that. Okay. And also <laughs> Floor of the Bar, but everybody likes Floor of Bar.
1: Well, yeah, because who doesn't like, you
0: know. Oh, she it, is, Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And, she's a great and because, interesting character
2: and because she's just not so far off from the woman i actually based her on I, I think it's great like uh i remember one time we were in class and she was telling a story about how she was out somewhere and she met some guy uh i think she was i think she said she was in france talking to an english guy who was dressed a little bit anachronistically and he flat and, and you know he says. Madam, what do you do over? What what, what do you do uh, where you're from in the colonies? He referred to them as the colonies. And oh, then she man. said that she was a professor and he had this look. My word, they allow women to teach over in the colonies.
0: Oh <laughs> nice. <No. laughs>
2: But that is the story as she told it, and then, uh, and then there was also the story about her and uh, the hook and eye latch uh, at this place she was staying. So she's like, by her accounts, she's seen some like crazy occultish type shit, and uh, it's just really fun. And for some reason, like you know, I'm a pretty skeptical guy, but I, I, I kind of believe her. Yeah, I'm like, man, this this uh, this old mentor, this elder mentor lady, like she knows some things.
0: <laughs>
2: that's so cool so cool
0: i think often the best characters are kind of based on on real life because that it just gives them that extra kind of depth about them it feels like it gives them like a bit of more complexity to it
1: and also some yeah. authenticity
0: mm, exactly
2: yeah and uh yeah like I, I did not change much about her fictionalized version of herself aside from where she actually taught
0: So um, if you were speaking to an aspiring writer, what would this is something we ask for, for all of our authors on um, on the podcast. So what one piece of advice would you give to, to any aspiring author? Gosh,
2: how am I going to be able to concisely say this? Um,
1: it doesn't have to be concise. Have you ever listened to us talk? <laughs> we're never okay, concise.
2: <laughs> good, uh, well, for one, I would say stay away from writing groups on Facebook for a while. Um, gosh, just people are questioning whether they can like be creative or not, and it's really sad to see because like they're stifling themselves because they're getting like seventy-five million opinions from people uh, who probably won't ever write or finish anything. Um, and and that's not a knock on them. I mean, the shit's hard; mm-hmm. it's hard to do. Like, I I don't know. I think about giving up at least. 40 or 50 times a given week uh, and always have uh, no, no matter what creative pursuit I was doing, but uh, you know, so, I mean, it, it's hard, but, um, but also maybe be a little more judicious with the advice you're the advice you're giving to people. Cause you know, just because you aren't doing it doesn't mean somebody else won't, but like, you know, they got a, a, a beginner writer or somebody who's never written a story before they should, um, Honestly, just pursue whatever idea they have. I mean, it might, it might suck and it might be horrifically offensive, but, you know, also do your due diligence when you're doing it, right? So uh, somebody said to me, what gives you the right to uh, write um, a sapphic main character? I'm like, well, for one, it's my character, but also because I can and it's not like I'm saying that flippantly but yes I can and like people have been doing this for you know people have been writing all kinds of characters for a long time and it's usually the the pushback and the questioning is not nobody ever said uh to Re- Rebecca or um Daphne du Maurier oh how are you going to write Mister uh, Mr. DeWinter like that you're a woman <laughs> like nobody said that but obviously you know do the best you can I did what uh And I always tell people, like, I did what any self-respecting autistic person would do, and I read literally everything I could uh, about, you know, more sapphic history specifically. Um, I talked to my sapphic friends, uh, and I got people to read it who would be able to say, oh, man, that's fucking stupid. You shouldn't do that. And, uh, you know, I had what I think were decent checks and balances. I also hired um, women in the -the behind-the-scenes process, except for the cover. So, like, I had systems of people that I could trust who would tell me, uh, you know, hey, this is good, or hey, you might want to change that, because this would not realistically happen, like, at all. So, you know, do your best, but don't shy away from writing something just because you might not be familiar with it that was a bit rather long-winded but hopefully that comes across like you know don't let other people stifle your creativity and the second to that based on the whole writing groups on the internet thing just fucking write don't worry about what goddamn software you're using it doesn't fucking matter just do it
1: (laughs) that's the best advice that is yeah (laughs) so see look how concise you're being.
2: I don't give a shit if you write it on Scrivener or uh, the the first fitness book that I did. I wrote most of that on my cell phone because my laptop at the time was so terrible. (laughs) Like I had to keep it plugged in so that way it would even stay on. Right. So I would do the writing. And since that one was, you know, one where I had to cite sources, I would just do it all on my phone. And then I would go on the computer when I was ready to deal with that pain in the ass. And I would then add all the, the citations and everything. And, you know, it sucked, but it worked. Like, and eventually we, we both, he and I got the book done. And uh, if I'd have been sitting there worrying about what software I was going to use to write it, I I probably would have finished uh, all my parts to it, but it probably wouldn't have taken, it probably would have taken far longer to do uh, if I worried about the, the minutia. And that's, uh, and th- there's an expression, you know, majoring in the minors and, you know, worrying about what the hell you're going to write it on. That's like kind of one of those things. At the end of the day, we also have tape recorders, uh, or I guess we use our phones for that now, but, uh, you know, and we have pen and paper. So like, there's always a way to get your ideas down.
1: How many, how many, cause you, you, you know, we know that you were a fitness writer. How many fitness books did you write?
2: Uh, technically two. A couple of ghostwritten things out there too.
1: Okay, and then like what what type of fitness topic was? did you were your fitness books on?
2: Oh, uh, the first one, the one that I wrote mostly on my phone was a specific guide on how to uh, how to diet so that you can compete in bodybuilding. Mm, okay. And and then we divided that up amongst uh, the different divisions. So you know, like uh, women's physique competitors, men's physique competitors, and things like that. And the second one is kind of a, an offshoot of that, but for a more general audience.
0: Cool.
1: So I'm like, there could have been so many different areas that fitness could have gone with that. So, awesome.
0: And I um, just wanted to speak kind of briefly about your ghostwriting. So I believe it said in the bio that you did some ghostwriting for newspapers. Is that correct?
2: Uh, the wording is not the best. I did mostly the ghostwriting uh, in – did a lot of it in the fitness space uh, and a couple other like uh, blog posts here and there for uh, some, I think one of them was Realty, which was interesting, but like I, I can't fathom why anybody would want to get into that line of work after having done that very brief foray into it, you know, more, more power to them.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so what kind of topics did you ghostwrite about?
2: Uh, there was the fitness and the the realty and um, gosh those were the big ones yeah. and it's also been a while since I've done it so now I have to like think back because I try not to because mm. you're not really supposed to like talk about some of those things with um with the thing so it's like let me just do this and get it over with especially if it was a topic uh, I wasn't you know fully. And invested in I, I think i also yeah. did something on appliance repair for somebody.
1: <laughs> that's kind of <laughs> random it's a bit of everything
2: mm-hmm. yeah, did you do and, anything
1: uh, on yeah. on death metal bands
2: uh i did write some on death metal bands but i i did mostly uh some of that on on my own um but uh, once i moved so i stopped being in a band in uh 2009 so i kind of I didn't really stop listening to metal, but I kind of stopped being a participant in, in Mm. I guess, the local scene down in Tampa. Uh, You know, I still went to shows every now and again. And then me and a a friend, we started another group. It was uh, far different than than metal. It was more jazzy type of stuff. And she and I were a duo, and I played piano or guitar, and she Mm. would sing.
1: That's really Uh cool. Really cool. (laughs) Alright, so, um, what, uh, just kind of wrap up this, this kind of portion, and then we'll, um, we'll, we'll begin to wrap things up. Um, but what, um, with Rain City Gothic, um, pretty diverse cast of characters, love the kind of fantasy aspect with the vampires and vampire slayers, great coming of age book, um. What This is how I'm going to ask this question Why Why should people read this book?
2: Oh gosh, <laughs> gosh How the hell Uh feel like I should have like an answer for this at the ready. <laughs> but then, but then, but then I get, but then it's also on the spot. So then I'm like, Oh, I don't know what to say. Uh, <laughs> and you don't want well, to come I across think...
1: too like cocky <laughs> or anything.
2: Well, I usually don't worry about that uh, because of who I am as a person. Um, but no, I, I think, um, yes, there are vampires, but also I think ultimately schematically. Uh, love and death are things that people relate to uh, you know on a deeply personal level uh, you know and like at the beginning Bethany's got relationship problems like who doesn't uh, especially when they're you know like just turning 30 and whatnot, uh, and figuring out life and their parents shadow as it were you know I, th- I think there's a lot of relatability to it uh, even though there are fantastic elements like uh, vampires and what have you
1: yeah, it's, it is, it's, it's a, it's a good coming of age book for Bethany um in, in the background. She was at
2: that hero's journey age too, like yeah. right there at age 30, so.
1: And she, and she does, like, you know, she, you know, has her dad and then, you know, catastrophe strikes and she goes to that, that underworld. She has her little people to help her. Um, She kind of begins to come out at the end. Like, absolutely, you could piece that that part in there together um but it's it is like you know it's it is a good a good coming of age like book you know to kind of watch Bethany overcome tragedy and try to figure out who she is in this world that she still doesn't fully understand because you learn as she learns about her, her her parents you learn that there's things that her parents never told her Um, and there's, there's, there's things that she's now having to kind of figure out on her own. And she, she talks about it. She's like, I don't know how to do this on my own. And, um, and then how to be reliant, um, on, on the people that are there and how to trust people. So, um, Rain City Gothic is, is available on Amazon. Um, so go, go check it out. Uh, have you released the title of your book that's coming out in October?
2: Oh, yeah, you can actually pre-order it uh, if you want. Um, It's called Haunted Echoes and Southern Nights. And when you type that in, that's an ampersand, not the word and. Okay,
1: perfect. Um, So that's coming out in October. Um, So, Peter, first off, thank you for joining us and talking to us about just you as a person and a writer and Range City Gothic and your new book that's coming out. Go online, um, Amazon, read Range City Gothics, and pre-order his new one. But before we go, um, we do our, um, we play a little either or game at the end of all of our shows. So we have 10 Good questions. Boy. It's real quick, um, no thinking. We fail at this every time um, because <laughs> really? it, there, there's no explanation. I fail at this. It <laughs> is, um, so we'll just give you an either option. You pick and we move on. Um, make sense? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so we will go. Um, our order will be: we'll go Liz, Peter, and then me. Okay. Mm-hmm, yeah. All right. And there's ten. There's ten of them. All right. So number one: vampires or werewolves.
0: Vampires.
2: Vampires.
1: Vampires. Um, pancakes or breakfast burritos.
0: Pancakes.
2: The pancake is the wrapper of the burrito.
0: Pancake is and a wrap are different though, aren't they?
1: Yes, but who says you can't put breakfast stuff inside a pancake and fold it? Oh, we got you on that one.
0: Yeah, but I suppose if you went for a crepe, then you could use it as a wrap. But if you had like a normal pancake, it would just break apart.
2: You might have to to tweak it a little (laughs) bit. Uh, It depends on how big the pancake is, but... um... It's the spirit of it that matters.
1: And maybe it wouldn't be a <laughs> pancake like burrito. It would be a pancake taco.
2: That is also an option, which uh, I believe Taco Bell did sell for a while.
0: No. Really? really? Pancake taco. Ooh.
2: Yeah, I, uh, I, I don't, I'm, I'm not 100% sure my memory might be failing. But, uh, but yeah, they, they do have some good breakfast options at Taco Bell. I'm a big uh, Taco Bell proponent. Because I've never had an adverse uh, GI reaction to Taco about, and I think the reason a lot of people do. I think the reason a lot of people do is because they're not accustomed to getting as much fiber in their diet at one time. That's the key, because like uh, and this is what I got with the years of writing about nutrition, right? Because like uh, you know if you take in a lot of fiber, especially if you don't normally take in a lot of fiber, but then you do it all at once give you that real bloated feeling and then it will start pulling water uh, into your GI tract. So you get even more bloated. And then, yeah, you know, you feel kind of shitty, like literally uh, in this case with the Taco <laughs> Bell. And, and I think that's what happens. Um, so, you know, you got to be mindful when you order the Taco Bell, but yeah, I love Taco Bell never had an adverse reaction to it.
1: I, I love your PSA on Taco Bell. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're a big fan in this house of Taco Bell. Um we we truly believe in, ta- in um, Taco Tuesdays and
2: one of can... the most heartbreaking things in their entire existence was when they got rid of the Doritos Locos Cool Ranch taco. They still got the nacho naja cheese, but I like yeah. the yeah. Cool Ranch better. Mm, so interesting. Was very heartbroken that day.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, moving on. All right, number three: sweet or savory popcorn?
0: Sweet. S-
2: savory.
1: I'd go sweet. Um, wow, back? Really?
2: Wait, no. Wait, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Are you talking about like this caramel popcorns in the the tin with the 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 thing. You know what I'm talking about? That you uh-huh. get every Christmas. I don't like the sweet one.
1: I like the sweet ones.
2: Dang, no, I get I, I, well, one I also... in
0: We can get new bags.
1: Well, you can get them. At, well, okay, so. He... <sighs>
0: Do You mean the unpopped a... no, popcorn? No, Liz, my This might, be a, <laughs> this my might, this might God. be a United States thing. Yeah, so, so in in the
2: states, uh, around every holiday season, some families will have these big tins, uh, with a, a, a di- divided into thirds with cheddar popcorn, plain popcorn, and the caramel popcorn. Really? Okay. And and almost always. Uh, every time you look into these these tins, um, depending on wherever you go, almost always the cheese is going to be the one that's, like, left standing. And the oh, other I two are going to be the nice ones thing. that, you know, I like them all, except, for, I mean, I'll eat the sweet one. Like, it, it's <laughs> yeah. fine. It's just not my favorite. Oh. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, she's got a picture of it. Yeah, like. It's got a big tin Mm -hmm. But almost always, like, everybody just scarfs down. Yeah, oh, yeah, it's a huge tin. Uh, It's almost as ubiquitous in the States as those um, Danish cookies that usually have thread in them instead of actual cookies.
0: We have a lot of
1: weird things
2: over here in in the United States.
0: Wait, you actually mean cotton? uh,
2: Like thread? Yeah, like actual thread, sewing supplies. So uh, there's these little (laughs) tins of dansk cookies. Which are Danish yeah. cookies, and uh, yeah, like every grandmother has them, and they, yeah, they they always uh, when they're empty, they always have thread in them and needles and stuff like that. Uh, <laughs> the cookies are actually pretty decent. Uh, I like them, and um, I actually oh, I like them too. I like the shortbread them. ones. Oh, okay.
0: So, so you're saying the sewing sewing stuffs at the bottom of the tin, not in the actual cookies. It is at the bottom of the tin, yeah.
2: They just use the empty tins as uh, storage for sewing
1: Oh, yeah. okay,
0: okay,
2: okay.
1: You probably oh, you'll see it like yes. in any like uh, <laughs> it, it's like it's like a big like grandparent kind of thing. like you'll it. see it in movies and TV shows, but this is um, hang on. Yeah, my grandparents
2: had so many of those uh, Danish cookie tins full of uh, needle and thread. Okay.
1: So yeah, I and then listen. you just open yeah. them up and it's I like yeah, it's just yeah, but they're they notorious. yeah, um, okay. <laughs>
0: All right. stuff here, <laughs> <at home. laughs> but no, when I say sweet, I mean, cause we don't really have, we have caramel, but we usually have just like sweet, say like kind of sugary popcorn. Um, So that's oh. more. That's I, more would, I will
1: always pick sweet <laughs> over savory. I just have a sweet tooth.
0: Well, I
2: also, I popcorn. also prefer I savory oatmeal and I know I'm a, I, that is not a popular thing amongst people.
1: Mm. I don't eat oatmeal.
2: That in like kind of. I try not to, because I'm more uh, <laughs> cause I, cause I'm more into grits than oatmeal. But uh, most people here don't know what grits are. It is very sad. Isn't
0: that like a really Texan thing? It's, it's a, a it's, a, it's southern a, southern a, southern like a southern thing.
2: More than uh, and there's debate as to whether Texas is actually quote unquote the South mm-hmm. or not. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> in a lot of ways, they're very much not. They also have Ted Cruz there, who I mean, that's reason enough to avoid the place or go because you want to wake him (laughs) off holy shit i hate that guy i fucking hate that guy and i get riled up talking about him. i'm sorry (laughs) i don't know how political we can be on this show
0: well you know we at the start of the show
1: we talked about rachel beanland's book this house is on fire getting getting like rejected from her luncheon speak in florida because her book deals with um slavery So
2: Oh God, and then don't even get me started on Florida. like I left in 2018 and I was like, man, it's getting like politically it's getting pretty fucked here, but I, but personally I needed to I needed to move because I had nothing going on back in Tampa because I did lose well I, I lost oh I, I was in a relationship that ended. I had also lost a friend to uh right wing nonsense uh went on uh, earlier that year. Uh, so I was like, man, I really don't have anything going on here and it's getting weird. And now it just got like 10 times as fucking weird since I left in 2018. That's just crazy. Yeah. And I, you know, I give a lot of credit to my friends who stayed behind to, you know, fight the good fight. Like one of my best friends, uh, he's a school teacher and, you know, he's, he's the type of guy, you know, we need people like him because he'll subvert the law and how ridiculous it is down there. And, uh, any way you can, and I appreciate that about him.
1: Mm, absolutely, you got to kind of appreciate that kind of.
2: And like me, he would And like me, this friend was also a student of uh, Leslie Rice, uh, my favorite English teacher. Mm.
1: And it comes full <laughs> circle. Um, yeah,
2: and that's a that's the kind of teacher she was <laughs> to in, to inspire that kind of behavior, which my friend and I appreciate.
1: Um. All right. So next. Um uh, <laughs> back to
0: the back Amazing to the... walking can come from popcorn. I know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> popcorn to politics. We're just staying in the peas. Um Back to the Future or Terminator? Uh
0: Back to the Future. Oh my god. We we made, we made it for your book, so Yeah, we
2: took actually, ideas from your like, books. <sighs> I I appreciate that. But you know what's funny is uh there is a lengthy dialogue about Back to the Future in the next book uh, between Rebecca and Daniel. That <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna send you guys a digital copy of it after after we get off here. Uh, that way you'll have it. That'd but, be um, awesome. Oh,
0: thank you. Oh
2: God, I gotta go with Terminator.
1: <laughs> oh, okay.
2: I gotta go with Terminator, even though like consistently, Back to the Future has is a in totality Back to the. Future is a better collection of movies. Uh, the Terminator saga should ideally have stopped at the second one, and then it would probably be perfect. But those first two Terminators are fantastic. I will and, agree with that. I would agree with that. Like, and and James Cameron is, and, and that's why James <laughs> Bentley stop And James Cameron is a is a fantastic director, and like when he stopped doing them, like he wasn't involved in Terminator three and beyond you can kind of tell, like, even though they had like good casting and all that stuff, like the stories are just not quite as there as the first two. And yeah. So yeah. Ultimately Terminator, especially because the first one is very much like a 1980 slasher movie with like a science science fiction backdrop, which I love about it.
0: Nice. Yeah. Honey,
1: um, I'm gonna go back, back to the future. I, I, agree. I do love the, the initial Terminator movies, um, but Back to the Future, I feel, is just to me, is more of a cult classic right there. Um, okay, next one. Would you rather be a vampire hunter or be a vampire?
2: I think
0: I'd rather be a, vamp- a vampire.
2: <laughs> really? I would, I would not.
0: Why not? I mean, you get to live forever until you're killed. Uh, that's right for today.
2: You're, well, see, you're, that's why, m- you're immortal. That's why I don't want to be a vampire because I live forever. I just, <laughs> I
0: so you
1: want to be a vampire hunter?
2: If that's my only option, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the,
0: yes, Peter. There's only hunter. two options. It's <laughs> not <laughs> either or. Either that's right. <laughs> <option>. <laughs> if, I did,
2: uh, if I tried to do the things that Bethany did, uh, I'd probably die doing them.
0: Yeah.
1: I'd probably die too, but I would still pick a vampire hunter over a vampire.
0: So. I think vampires are kind of cool. There's something about them. They're kind of classy.
1: Okay, weirdo. Uh,
0: <laughs>
1: <yes>.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Uh, okay.
1: Um, coffee or tea?
0: I don't know why you said this one because it's neither. But if I have to choose, oh, they Tuesday. go to
1: coffee shops throughout the throughout the book. They yeah, spend some know, time at some coffee But you don't
0: like shop. coffee or tea either.
1: Yeah, but I have I'll an say, answer.
0: I'll say tea.
2: Coffee. Coffee. <laughs> without, without question, coffee.
1: <laughs> and I would go tea, because there are some teas I like. But I There don't is, like
0: yeah. Tea. I like some fruity teas. Yeah. We're both weird. We don't like coffee or tea in the normal sense. Yeah, in the
2: normal sense. As a British person, I'm, I'm very surprised <laughs> to hear that, because I hear uh, the stereotype is y'all love tea.
1: I thought the same thing. I'm like, I hope oh, they don't find so out. Movies. They're going to kick her out of England.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Funny enough, I did not like hearing either. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
1: Would you rather live in Seattle or Florida?
2: Seattle. God, Seattle. That's why I moved.
1: <laughs> I would pick Seattle as well. I love
2: well. well, for know, I, as didn't, well. I, I didn't. Uh, I, when, when it was time to move, I had never been up here. But I was a big fan of the show Twin Peaks. Oh, uh, good okay. show. And, and uh, my cousin lives across Puget Sound in a small town called Bremerton. And uh, she and I get along pretty good. And she's got uh, amazing children and a, and a husband and stuff. And I was like, hey, I want to hang out with you, your husband, and the kids for a bit. Uh, and she didn't think I would show up because we, we have a lot of family members who say things with no follow through. I was like, well, all right, I'll be there on uh, April 30th, plane lands at 1234. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I was like 98% sure I would stay <laughs> And it uh, turned out I was right I, I did wind up staying <laughs>
1: That's awesome
0: It always makes me think of um, Grey's Anatomy mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, so, so. and that, that's a big one uh, And it was, uh, it was filmed here But also, like, the weather is just so much nicer than it is in Florida We don't have that blistering humidity and heat up here Like we did in Florida
0: Um, okay, three more, just okay. Yep. More. okay. And the
1: next two deal with um, characters from your book. So, um, yeah. <laughs> so you're going to have to pick. You're going to have to pick one over the other. So the first pair you have to pick one over the other for is Caroline or Megan.
0: Ooh, I'm going to say Megan.
1: Megan. I'm going to go Caroline.
2: I'll I like one. Caroline, but, but definitely mm-hmm. Megan. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right, and the next pair is pick between Jason and Greg. Jason. 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 I definitely like Jason. All right, last question. And this is just more like a general question. Do you prefer to read in quiet or prefer or do you prefer to read with background noise? In quiet?
2: That is a very I cannot answer that simply. It depends on the background noise. TV I can't do. <laughs> Music uh, like at a bar, I absolutely can do. Uh, but I just, I like to read in the bathtub with the running water happening.
1: Oh, well, I would consider that. Yeah. I mean
2: it's bad Back background noise. Process, But as long as yeah. you have TV, for some reason I can't do it with the TV.
1: Yeah. I couldn't do it if there's like legit, like I would probably pick reading quiet, but I could read to running water. I could read, I could read to like the white noise in the background, mm. but I couldn't, I couldn't do with, um with like TV or with two people talking beside me where I can hear their words. Um, So I would, I can do
0: music, but only if it's instrumental. I can't do music with lyrics. Otherwise I listen to the lyrics too much. And I can't say. Exactly.
1: Like I pay attention to the words that I'm hearing versus the words I'm reading. So I would have to pick (laughs) the reading and quiet. All right. Well, that was a super fun um, either or. So um, so that kind of wraps up our show. So again, Peter, thank you so much for joining us. Um, why don't you tell our listeners where they can find you on uh, social media?
2: Uh, so my author name is Peter D. Baker, and that is pretty much where you can find me on TikTok and Instagram, except, uh, you know, don't put the spaces or any punctuation. It's just Peter D. Baker all one string of letters
0: awesome and liz where can we find you yeah so on instagram i am lizzie's little book nook and website is just lizzie's little book nook. Co. UK. and holly how about you
1: so i am az desert underscore bookworm uh, and then my website is www.azdesertbookworm.com um, so thank you everyone for tuning in and listening us listening to us this month as we welcome um, Peter D Baker to the show to talk about Rain City Gothic. We will be back in October for um, our next book club episode, and this is one that we've been kind of talking about for a while. We Liz and it's I time. have yeah, we haven't read any Colleen Hoover books ever <laughs> in our life. I,
0: oh, no. I, right! I think, I think we're the last two people in the world. Uh, in I, the I world. really do believe we might be the last two people. In the Even world here, I have
2: read a Hoover book.
0: <laughs> Which one have you read? Yeah,
2: I. Uh, so my editor and I, uh, my developmental editor, she and I had this bright idea to write pseudonymous romances, and I said, "You know what? I'll read a I'll read a Colleen Hoover book." I read Reminders of Him.
0: Okay. okay. Well, we are going to be reading Verity. So, uh, cause oh, it's a little bit good. more, th- yeah, more like a, th- a thriller one to go with the October kind of spooky, um, theme. So yep, yeah, we'll be joined by our two ladies again as part of our book club, uh, for next month's book club read.
1: Yeah. It, it's, it's, <laughs> who yeah. knows how it's
0: going to go? We haven't, because we haven't read it yet. We so... <laughs> haven't read it yet. So
1: <laughs> we'll see. Um, and I have the ebook, but I'm probably going to do the audio.
0: Oh, I've got the physical one. Oh. Okay. So, I bought it like about a year ago. <laughs>
1: I've I've had I've had Verity as an ebook for like two years. So oh well. Okay, sure, we sure. digress again. So um, <laughs> but regardless, we are going to finally break into Colleen Hoover's world,
0: and We're popping that coho cherry.
1: The coho cherry is gonna be popped. Um and so um just. Watch for updates on one that will be dropping on our uh, Instagram, which is Speaking Literally Podcast, and we will um, we'll be back in October. So until then, enjoy the books and happy reading! Happy reading.